Amen. We're in a series right now on discipleship. And um, in this series on discipleship, uh, we are looking at how Jesus made disciples. And that's how we want to make disciples. We looked at how the first disciples were discipled by Jesus. And, and we, we want to follow an example. When we talk about disciple, let's just make this nice and clear. We're talking about being a follower of Jesus. A follower. Where he says, let's go, and we follow. And when we talk about making disciples, we're talking about making passionate followers of Jesus. Not just leading someone to Jesus, that's evangelism. And we'll talk about evangelism. But making disciples, those who say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I just don't know how. Those are the people that, that we want to, to raise up and make disciples. Now, as believers, we might all be in different places. There might be people in this place saying, if I'm being honest, Mark, I, I, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, but not quite ready to be discipled. I, I, and that's all right. That's all right. But I want you to know that that, that is our desire is that we have a church full of disciples we have a church full of people saying lord where you lead i will follow but our god is gracious and he is so much more patient than me and he is so much more patient than any of you and so he says hey you know just 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 stay with me just stay with me so uh on the theme of discipleship um we've had good messages and we're continuing this and today we're talking about the spirit of god the holy spirit and his role in discipleship. So I want to kind of swing back uh, and wrap up a theme from last week as my intro, kind of a long intro, and, and then jump into my message. Last week I talked a lot about obedience. And Jesus wants his followers to obey him. He required it. I said Jesus didn't just make suggestions. Jesus says... This is what you should do. So we, we call them commands. We do them. We obey them. He, he says, this is how I see love. That you obey my commands. So how did Jesus go about enforcing these, these commands? Love. Love was his enforcer. And I love just the visual of that. Love was his enforcer. What do I mean by that? The love of Jesus was so perfectly walked out by Jesus, so perfectly demonstrated. Jesus touched people with the Father's love so perfectly. It was the most compelling power in the universe, and it still is. The disciples were compelled by love. And they were compelled to love the same way. And what is the result of being compelled by such a love? Obedience. Obedience. When we are so compelled by the goodness of our God... The result is obedience. 
The result is trust. And the result is, I don't want to leave his side. The result is, I don't want to ever be without his presence. The result is, wherever you say, go, I'll go. Whatever you say, do, I'll do. Just don't let me leave your side. Can you imagine such a love that demonstrated in every act he did, even in the hard things that Jesus said, the disciples still felt his love. So what was the enforcer? Love. I wish we had a dude in the church like about six eight, and just huge that I could have dressed in all pink today and been like, love is the enforcer. But we don't have anyone six eight, you know. So, and I don't know that we have too many guys I could have dressed in pink, you know, but love. Not obedience out of obligation, friends. Not obedience out of religion. Not obedience out of anything other than affection for our God. You see, it's easy to obey Jesus' commands when our motivation is love. It's easy to trust when all we are receiving from our God is love. It's easy to walk according to the Holy Spirit when we grab a hold of the truth that the entire motivation of the Father in sending His Son, the entire motivation of the Father in sending the Holy Spirit was to guide and teach and comfort us with love. You guys, we can't discover the deeper things of the Lord and we cannot discover the deeper experience of loving a lost world without the guidance of the Holy Spirit taking us deeper into God's love. This is why the demands of Jesus were without argument. These are why the commands of Jesus were without dispute. The disciples understood they weren't just keeping a law, but they were responding to the one who loved them and who was willing to give himself fully for them. Give. Give. Nobody exemplified giving more than Jesus. Nobody exemplified giving as love like Jesus Christ. Think about the disciples. Think about their experience with Jesus. Think about the firsthand reception of the generosity of God through Jesus Christ. John 16.33 says that Jesus gave them his peace and his victory in hard times and in tribulation. John 15.11 says that he gave them his joy to the fullest. We see in the word that he gave the disciples the keys to the kingdom of which the forces of hell could not prevail. John 17.22 says that he gave them his own glory and that he gave his disciples oneness with the Father. And guess what? Us as disciples of Jesus, he gave us those things as well. Jesus withheld nothing. Not even his own life. He gave Perfect love is like that. 
love is always giving itself away. When it is self-contained, it's not love. When it's self-contained, it ain't love. When we refuse to give, when we refuse to share, when we refuse to touch, when we refuse to be used, friends, it ain't love. Because love gives all the time. All the time. Demonstrated by Jesus Christ. Many of us know this passage by heart. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God gave all to those He loved. The Father gave his only son to those he loved. You want to know what the cross means to the Father? We know what the cross meant to Jesus. To Jesus, it was it was obedience to the Father. It was a willful, undeniable, generous giving of his life so that we could be saved and, and out of obedience to the Father. But what does the cross mean to the Father? It means this. The infinite love of God can express itself only in infinite ways. And we're so short-sighted. We're, we're so short-sighted in how we see things and how we love and how we give and how we think God will use us. Friends, we got to allow the Lord to use us in infinite ways, in ways that affect generations. When we talk about discipleship, this better not just be about discipling for a few years. This better be about pouring into people who will pour into people who will pour into people so generations are changed. We've got to look beyond ourselves. That's what the cross means to the Father. By the obedience and the sacrifice of His only Son, that first generation will be saved. That next generation will be saved. That next generation will be saved. Every generation will be saved. Jesus was dedicated to the service and the worship of God. We talked about that last week. That word means consecrated. And this includes giving love and demonstrating love and doing it to such a degree that people are compelled to follow. They're never going to be compelled by rules. When we're talking about making disciples, no one in this, well, I don't know. There's some of you that maybe like you really dig rules. I get that. So maybe you're, you'll be compelled by rules. That's odd, but we love you. But most people will not be compelled by rules. They'll be compelled by love. Us demonstrating that love. Us showing that love. Us giving that love. Us representing the love of God. That's what will compel them. That's what will compel them. Discipleship must always have an emphasis of evangelism. Because this is how Jesus discipled, with an edge of, of evangelism. So discipleship should always have a, a, a quickness to tell others about Jesus. 
Discipleship must always have a demonstration of giving and selflessness because this is what Jesus did. And so this is what we do. Friends, if we love ourselves more than we love God, our discipleship, our making of disciples, our being a disciple will always be so limited. We got to give our lives away. Love and dedication. Love and dedication. This is the measure by which we regard our service and our worship to the Lord. And I want you guys to know, love and dedication is beyond you. In and of yourself. By your, by your own means, love and dedication is beyond you. You're not capable of the kind of love I'm talking about. You're not capable of the kind of commitment and dedication I'm talking about. In and of yourselves and in and of myself, I can't do it. But I was never asked to do it alone. We were sent the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. We were sent the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, to empower us to love like this. With the Holy Spirit, we can do it. With the Holy Spirit, you can do it. That level of commitment, you can. It just takes a surrender. It just takes a yielding. And in that, we have to love. John 15, 9-10 says this. As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. Make your home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Friends, it's about love. Let's not miss the, let's not miss the love part because we're, we're, we're focusing on the keeping the commandments part. The Holy Spirit causes us to fall in love with God. And when we love Him, the natural result is keeping His commands. Does that make sense? Love is the only way to win the free response of men. Love is the only way to win the free response of men. See, shame might guilt somebody into something momentarily, but that's not a free response. That's a momentary faking of something, but but the heart is never engaged. Shame doesn't work. Guilt doesn't work. Fear doesn't work. You know what? There is a hell, and hell is not reserved for us. Hell is not reserved for us. Hell is not reserved for those who believe in Jesus Christ. There is a hell. But you know what? I don't do a whole lot of preaching about hell, because I'm going to go ahead and preach about Jesus. Okay? I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Hell is real, and if you die without trusting your life in Jesus, then you go to that place that's not reserved for you by rejecting Jesus. But I don't preach a lot about hell. I'd rather preach about Jesus. Because it's love that will sway the hearts of a free man. Whether he says, yes, sign me up. Yes, I will follow. Yes, I give my life. I get excited. This is still the intro. I got a message to preach. This this ain't it, though. All right, I'm going to scroll forward. You guys, it's impossible. 
It's impossible. What we do, loving like this is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We have got to grab a hold of this truth. The Holy Spirit is vital. You guys, no one gets... None of the the three members of the Godhead gets so disrespected like the Holy Spirit. He's not like a late player to the game. He's always been there. He was there from the beginning of time. And I do say he. It's not an it. It's not an it. It's not a thing. The Holy Spirit's not a thing. It's a person. And he has been there since the beginning of time. And he's needed in this work of discipleship. You realize that there's not one thing that Jesus did in his ministry without the help of the Holy Spirit? You realize that? The discipleship that Jesus provided wasn't birthed in human minds. It was of the Spirit. When Jesus began his public ministry, there was a public act, a proclamation that took place. Jesus was baptized, and when he came out of the water, there was a voice from heaven. The Father said, This is my Son, whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. And Jesus hadn't done a single miracle yet. Jesus hadn't, hadn't you know, multiplied a single loaf of bread or a fish yet. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't, he hadn't preached a single sermon on the smallest of mounts yet. And the Father said, this is my Son whom I love. In Him I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. And check this out. Remained upon Jesus. Never left. Descended in the form of a dove. Not a dove. Holy Spirit's not a dove. I just got done telling you he's a person. He's not a dove. He's a person. And the Holy Spirit remained upon Jesus. So everything Jesus did, his entire ministry, every sermon he preached, every miracle he did, bearing the cross, bearing the cross, bearing accusation, bearing abandonment, Bearing his disciples, turning and running. Bearing one of his disciples, betraying him. was all done under the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe there was only one moment in Jesus' life when he, was out, when he was without the Holy Spirit. And that's right before he died. Because he had to experience utter abandonment just like there's times we face that. And at that point, he cried out and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, the Father turned his back on him. The Holy Spirit had lifted from him. And he was utterly alone in sin. You know, we know that Jesus raves about the Holy Spirit when he says, Hey, it's better that I go away. But why does Jesus say that? Is he just hopeful? Is he just hopeful? Hey, it's better that, that, that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. Is he just saying that, just using the gift of prophecy? Saying, I know what's going to happen. He's saying that because he walked his entire ministry with the Holy Spirit. So he's speaking firsthand. Let's see what else Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. In John 6, 63, Jesus says this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus says this, On the last day of the feast, 
the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Anyone who believes, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about whom? The Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me make something clear. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given to the disciples. The Holy Spirit had been given to Jesus. Okay? So he's speaking firsthand. Luke 4, 18. Jesus says this, The Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And then in Matthew 12, 28, he says this, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. From beginning to end, experiencing the living Christ in any personal way, is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we experience Christ, we are experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. Robert E. Coleman has this incredible quote. I love it. He says, Jesus was God in revelation, but the Spirit of but the Spirit was God in operation. He was the agent of God actually affecting through men the eternal plan of salvation. Jesus raved about the Holy Spirit. He talks so much about the Holy Spirit. He explained to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would prepare the way for their ministry. He says that he that that the Holy Spirit would give them utterance to speak. He says that in Matthew 10, 19 through 20. He says that in Mark 13, 11. And he says that in Luke 12, 12. I'm going to fly through some of these. If you need my notes, I'll, I'll email them to you. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict the world in respect of sin and righteousness and of judgment. He said that in John 16, 8. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would give illumination of truth that men might know the Lord. And again, he says that three times in Matthew twenty-two forty-three, in Mark twelve thirty-six, in John sixteen fourteen. And then Jesus says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his disciples were promised the very ability to do the work of the Lord. And he says that in John fourteen twelve. You guys, evangelism is not a human work. It's a divine work. Discipleship is not a human work. It's a divine work. And we need the Holy Spirit to do it. It was completely the work of the Holy Spirit. And all the disciples were asked to do was to let the Holy Spirit have complete charge of their lives. 
let the Holy Spirit have His way. Let the Holy Spirit reign. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide and comfort. John 14, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and He uses a word that sometimes we just kind of jump past. So I want to read out of John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and He will give you what? Another helper. He will give you another comforter to be with you forever. Why does he say another? Because in Jesus' walking with the disciples, he was their helper. In Jesus walking with the disciples, he was their comforter. He was their teacher. He was their guide. Can we imagine this for a second? Can we imagine those three and a half years of walking with Jesus and the things that he taught that small, selected group? He was their teacher. The the difficulties he endured. He was their comforter. The lack of vision, the lack of knowing where to go. He was their guide. He was their leader. Now imagine him saying, I'm going away. Imagine how you would feel. I mean, possibly even a sense of fear. No, 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 no. Confusion, doubt. What? Who's going to teach me? Who's going to guide me? Who's going to comfort me? What? Jesus, I've seen you. Who's going to heal? Who's going to raise from the dead? Who's going to do these things? And then he says, I hear you. I hear you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Father is going to send the Holy Spirit in my name. And he's going to guide you into all truth. And he's going to comfort you. And he's going to teach you. And he's going to lead you. And he's going to guide you. And you need to follow the Holy Spirit like you followed me. Church, do we follow the Holy Spirit like we follow Jesus? We should. The Word of God comes alive because of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You ever read something and all of a sudden it just comes alive and you're like, oh my gosh, I've read that a hundred times. And this time it came alive. Why? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just guides and brings revelation. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would show them the things to come, would teach them what they needed to know, would help them pray, and would glorify the Son by taking the things of Christ and making them real to His followers. And all of that can be found in John chapters 14 through 16. I will be with you forever.
The work of the Holy Spirit is this multiplicative work where that Jesus, when he was here on earth, he is one man, and he couldn't say that when he's there on earth. He, could, he couldn't say, hey, I'll, I, you know, I, I will never leave all of you. I will never forsake you while I'm here right here. I will be with all of you all the time. That wasn't true. That wasn't a true statement. You guys realize that, right? Jesus was, if Jesus was right here, guess where Jesus was? This is, this is such not a trick question. He'd be right here. I get, let me do this. If Jesus was like right here, where would Jesus be? Right here. When Jesus was on this earth, if he was right here, he'd be right here. And he says, when I go away, the Holy Spirit will be with all of you all the time. So when he says something radical like, it's better that I go away, he means it. It's not just hyperbole. He means it. I will be with you always through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. Everything I said, he's going to guide you into it, and he will always be with you. But friends, there has to be a yielding to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump ahead. If I send you my notes, there's like a whole other sermon that I'm not going to preach here. Friends, the minute we give our lives to Christ, we, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit upon us. In John chapter 20, Jesus breathed in John chapter 20. He breathed, and the Holy Spirit was upon them. But then he said, I need you to wait. I need you to tarry. I need you to stay together in prayer and in unity, and I need you to be together because the Holy Spirit's going to come in power. And he is going to make you bold witnesses to the entire world. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit gets breathed upon us and we have the person of the Holy Spirit. But friends, there is a separate work for the hungry. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's for the hungry and the thirsty. And there's a passage that I'm about to read. And if it offends you, I think I said it last week. Sometimes Jesus is offensive. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about getting stuff out of your eyes that prevents you from seeing. He said, don't try and pull a speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank. See that cross? Imagine being behind that cross and that's in your eye. That's, that's stuck in your eye. He's saying, you're going to try and pull a a speck out of your brother's eye. When you've got a plank in your eye, you're blind. You can't see. So do not judge. And then he says, when you judge, how you judge is going to be upon you. The measure that you judge is going to be upon you. So he says this really radical thing. But he says this. He says, when you judge a brother. When Jesus talks about a neighbor, he's talking about anyone on the face of this earth. When he's talking about a brother, he means someone in the church. Okay? So all of this is talking about judging a brother. He's talking to Christians about Christians. Okay? Then he says this. You have to do me a favor. Say this. Say, I choose not to be offended. And if I get offended, I'm, it's, a, it's Jesus' fault. I'm, I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm gonna, you know, sometimes he offends. Okay. So Matthew 7, verse 6. 
This is all talking about the Holy Spirit. And in, in, I'm going to read something. And the same passage I'm going to read toward the end there, it's also in Luke. And Matthew uses the word good things, and Luke uses the phrase the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to merge them, okay? Matthew 7, 6 through 11. And he's still talking to Christians about Christians. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Friends, there's not been any subject of which other Christians have been so attacked than the subject of the Holy Spirit. And it's wrong. Next verse, ask. Next verse, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, still talking to Christians about Christians even, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things and the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You don't have to like this message, but I have to preach this message because this is what God tells, has told our eldership team to preach. Discipleship is for the hungry. Discipleship is for the hungry. Discipleship is for the thirsty. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit also is for the hungry. It is for the thirsty. I, I was joking with Greg before the service and I said at some point when I create a graphic and I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit at some point I'll create that graphic without the the, the, the image of water I don't know when because water is so often used throughout the word to, to convey the Holy Spirit if you are thirsty he will give you something to drink that will satisfy your thirst forever and that's the Holy Spirit You guys, I, man, I, I, I hate that our God, the person of the Holy Spirit, is so often thrown under the bus at the center of controversy. And we dishonor Him and we disrespect Him and we, we, we think His work was just this short, brief period when we need Him now more than ever. The work of the Holy Spirit has not ceased because we still need Him to guide us into all truth, to teach and to comfort and to fully represent the person of Jesus Christ in every way. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. You guys, what we've heard that, we've said, we've probably quoted that. Hey, don't, you know, cast your pearls before swine. What do we think he's talking about? If you don't want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not, I'm not, the offer's off the table. If you're not hungry for, for, for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then I am pulling, if someone else can pray it over you, I'm not going to pray it over you. That's off the table, baby. That's what I think this means. It's holy. He's the Holy Spirit. 
He is holy. And, and if you want nothing to do with, with, with His gifts, and if you want nothing to do with that power, and if you don't want to be bold witnesses to reach the nations, the world, your neighborhood, I believe that, I believe that you, you, if you died today, you'd be welcomed into heaven. Jesus would love you. I just, I believe you're saved. I don't believe you're, you know, you're less saved. I just believe you're less equipped. I just believe your, your tool belt is really lacking. I need to tell a joke right now. You should see the looks on the face. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. I just read it. He said, knock and this shall be opened. And... Guys, th- this whole message is about, is about hunger. This whole message is about hunger, guys. I I had such a long intro because I want to make it abundantly clear. This is not about obligation. This is not an arranged marriage. No one's forcing Jesus upon us or the Holy Spirit upon us. But friends, we're not going to shy away from a message that only brings life and only brings truth and only brings power and helps us walk this out. Holy Spirit's stinking awesome. Jesus was not using hyperbole or exaggeration when he said, it's better that I go away. The Holy Spirit's awesome. You guys, if religion has fed you a bunch of bull, that the Holy Spirit's bad, then don't believe that anymore. Just, just don't believe that anymore. Our God is good and only good. And what he has for us is good and only good. Even when it's hard, it's still good. Even when it's hard, it's still good. And this is hard. This one's hard. You guys, I'm not preaching my opinion. I was talking with someone beforehand. I ain't preaching my opinion. I'm preaching scripture. I've used about 20 scriptures today. And I haven't just, you know, mixed and matched to make scripture, you know, uh, fit what my message. Some preachers will do that. You can make scripture say just about anything if you use it out of context. Matthew 7, I'm reading that in context, friends. we got to be hungry, man. God's taking this church. He's doing something cool in this church. He's doing something powerful, guys. And he's, he's called you together. He has called us together. He's called young, and he's called old. And he wants us to make an amazing impact in our region and, and for his kingdom. And he's calling us to do this together. And he put you here because maybe you need a strong, bald leader to give you that message. And I love him more than I love you. So I'm going to give it. And I fear him more than I fear you. And I'm going to give it fear as in reverence and awe.